uh, that we are in week three of our Holy Spirit series called Forgotten God. Yes, I stole the title. It's okay, I'm admitting it. Um, but we're in our third week of that study. We'll conclude it next Sunday. We're going to get about two-thirds of the way done with today's message. And then we will finish today's message next week and we'll do a closer for the sermon, for the sermon series, the mini-series, just four weeks. Um, if you thought that there was any way possible for me to even remotely come close to unpacking the Holy Spirit in a four-week mini-series, it ain't happening. All right, We did a 30,000-foot flyover last Sunday of the fruit of the Spirit. And as we think back in that, I this week, okay, within the last... Uh, Within the last 12 hours, you know, I've been reminded of, am I portraying the fruit of the Spirit? Is there love? Is there peace? There wasn't much joy, I'm not going to lie. Um, but you know, in, in situations in our life, I, I don't know about you, but the Spirit reminds me of, hey, this is an opportunity for you to act like you're actually a follower of Jesus. And then here's an opportunity if you'd act like that you're a complete idiot. And sometimes I choose the complete idiot. And other times, thankfully, I'm walking in the Spirit. But I hope that last week's uh, sermon was beneficial for you. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit that ought to be displayed in our lives on a consistent basis. And we thank God uh, for His Spirit. <clears throat> Week three today, and you knew if we are going to do a series on the Holy Spirit... Uh, you knew that we'd probably end up here at some point in time. Today's sermon is simply titled this, Your Gifts for the Greater Good. Your Gifts for the Greater Good. Week one, we laid a theological foundation for the Holy Spirit, and that is this. And it's important to understand this, that, that is at the moment that we receive Jesus Christ and we uh, called upon his name to save us, his Holy Spirit resides in us. We have the Holy Spirit. And last week, we highlighted the fruit of the Spirit and naturally this week we are in the gift and the giftings of the Spirit. Just so you are aware, this sermon will in no way break down the spiritual gifts in any sort of uh, a detailed format this morning. I don't have the time to do that. You're, you don't have the time to sit here and listen to that. All right, We're not going to do that this morning. But the purpose of today's sermon, and I want you to hear me loud and clearly this morning, the purpose of today's sermon is to encourage you, to encourage me, to encourage all of us, to seek to identify the gifting or the giftings of the Spirit that we have been given. To identify what they are and then to begin to cultivate the gifts that the Spirit has given us and then see incredible things happen in our lives. To see us thriving in the areas that God has created us to thrive in, right? So if God has given us His Spirit and His Spirit's going to produce certain fruit, love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, all those and then he's going to gift us, he's going to give us things in our lives uniquely to us that we can use then in our spiritual lives. Man, why would we not take advantage of that? Why would we not uh, step into that? And so just like any gift, any gift, if you give me a gift, man, I'll take it. All right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a gift. It's free. Oh, is it free? I'm a sucker for that. Anybody else a sucker that you, you pass by somewhere and they're like, hey, this is free. And you know, there's, you know it, there's something there's something hidden attached. You know it's not really free, but you're like, it's free. Yeah, sure, why not? You know? You're like, sir, can I get your social security number, your date of birth, and all their information? And next thing you know, I've got a Disney credit card, right? But uh, 
Before we jump into today's sermon, I do want to give a couple of um, important statements that I believe would, will, will help us lay a foundation as we move in uh, to the text today, which, by the way, is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you want to turn there in your Bibles or your app, you can get there. The first opening statement before we get into the sermon that I want to make this morning is that gifts are given, but they must be cultivated. Okay, Gifts are given, but they must be cultivated. Just like you can give your 16-year-old the gift of a car key and a car. Okay, But how many parents understand? That gift needs to be cultivated. There needs to be training. There needs to be time. There needs to be improvement. There needs to be some, some safety measures maybe put in place. Okay, There needs to be trial periods of, hey, let's go out here in a country road. Let's go out to Jack and Vivian's out there on the country roads out there and, and drive a little bit. Let's go, to the big, let's go to a big parking lot and learn how to turn a car properly. Um, I have a story that I won't share, Mark. Uh, I'm going to hold my story. Well, one day we'll tell that story of how I failed to teach my 10-year-old how to drive a golf cart. But, uh, but I wouldn't just give the keys to a golf cart to a 10-year-old when I mark, except I did that. All right? uh, it's okay, $4,500 later, my car looks great. But uh, <laughs> That's a true story. Um, but we wouldn't do that, right? That gift of being able to drive to be eligible, old enough to drive, that gift must be cultivated. And that often starts when, when they're younger with different uh, vehicles, especially nowadays in cars and, and golf carts and four-wheelers and things like that, that people could kind of learn how to drive. You wouldn't hand car keys in a car to someone who had never done that. So just like that gift needs to be cultivated, these giftings of the Spirit also uh, need to be cultivated. Paul opened the letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians, telling the church that you are not lacking um, in any gift. So this church was gifted, but if you know anything about the book of 1 Corinthians, that church may have been gifted, but they were messed up. As they say, they were toe up from the flow up. All right, They were messed up. I mean, he, Paul dealt with things in this book before we get to chapter 12. I mean, he dealt with some of the worst perverse sins that you've ever thought about. He dealt with these things in this church, but this church had every gift. But they weren't being cultivated. They weren't being cultivated. They were immature. They were confused. And so you can be gifted in something and not be cultivating that gift in the Spirit. Everybody, that's the opening statement. Make sure we understand that. Okay. Secondly, gifts are meant to be understood and manifested in the context of community. Specifically, local church community. I want to make a couple statements here so that we're clear. You cannot rightly understand or apply the Word of God without the same Spirit of God in you and the Spirit of God in the people around you. This chapter that we're about to read of the gifts of the Spirit was written to a church. How many of you had 1 Corinthians chapter 13 quoted portions of it maybe at your wedding? Anybody? The love chapter? Yeah, that's good. Now, we can obviously apply that to our marriages. But the original context of 1 Corinthians 13 is, I'm telling you about all these gifts. He spends all chapter 12 doing that. And then he goes, hey, by the way, if you have every one of those gifts and you don't love people, who cares? You can have all the spiritual gifts in the world. 
And who cares if you don't love people? That's the context of it. And then he comes back in chapter 14, and he gives some parameters about the gifts. We'll get into that next week. So that's the context of what we're talking about here. But they are to be, uh, to be understood and manifested in the context of community. In the same way that every parent knows, you cannot just give a child information and expect them to learn all they need to know and become all who God intends for them to become unless they are also surrounded by other people. Loving parents, loving mentors, teachers, good godly influences, friends, peers. We know that we can't just give information to our kids and leave them alone. They, they need to thrive and learn and manifest themselves, their personalities come out inside of community. So the child of God can uh, easily misunderstand what's taught and, 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 and not really comprehend and be maybe immature in the gifts. But if they're around more mature people in the faith, if they're around people who have been living this Christian life a whole lot longer than they have, then they can be around people who are a little bit further down the road than they are. And they can give comfort and they can give help and they can give advice. That's how the gifts operate. They operate within community. They operate specifically within the local church community. We are to establish a, a big brother, little brother, a big sister, little sister, a mentorship in the spirit. And so the community is important. And, and may, I, may I just stress this? If you run across someone that is very strong of speaking about the gifts of the spirit, but they don't utilize those giftings within the context of their local church and their local community, just beware, as the, as the thing is on social media now, right? red flags, right? Red flags. The gifts were given to the local church. The gifts were meant to be used within the context of that. So we're going to walk through this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we look at the gifts, your gifts, for the greater good. Can we pray together first? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would guide my words and my thoughts today. That the comprehension would not just be a head knowledge this morning, but it would be a heart transformation. That we would take these things and we would really uh, look at what God has for us. And look what God has for me. And then step into that. Cultivate that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want us to see first of all this morning, and, and, and I will say this. This is probably not going to be a long sermon. Amen. There you go. I'm going to go through some of these, some of these points build upon each other and are similar today. Uh, so I'll just tell you that uh, right, right quick. And by the way, I could have tried to fit all this in one sermon, and I love you, and I know we got food to eat, and we're going to hang. And so I, I was like, you know what, I can finish the sermon next week. So just, you know, I, whatever. Y'all can say thank you afterwards. I'll just, you know, it's all good. All right. Number one, I want us to see this. The gifts are unique and diverse. The gifts are unique and diverse. Look at the first uh, our first text in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 4. There are diversities of gifts. Oh, there it says it, all right? There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works in all. Can I just pause for just a second, and this may not be specifically the original intent, but I believe it can apply to us today. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, and I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean local church ministries, but I believe we can apply it there. People can minister in different ways this morning, but the same 
Lord. And by the way, not every church in Durham needs to look like us, act like us, sing like us, preach like us, and look like us. There is a uniqueness and a diversity among the big C church, the body of Christ, the global body of Christ. And not everybody needs to look the same, act the same, dress the same, talk the same. By the way, if you show up at one of those places, you might want to leave. Because you may have just stumbled into something really strange. All right? So it's good. The diversity is good this morning. But the gifts of the Spirit specifically are unique and diverse. God did not create robots this morning. He did not create a mold this morning that everyone that's going to follow him and that are going to be led by the Spirit must fit into the Spirit-led mold. He didn't do that. No, he, he gives diversities of gifts, diversities of ministries, diversities of activities, but the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. God didn't make you like that guy over there. Thank goodness. We can't handle two of those guys. And God didn't make you, sorry Hayden, uh, no, God didn't make you like this, these folks over here. And we ought to celebrate that. That my gift might be, uh, might be administered through the Holy Spirit and it might display itself in my actions and in my life and it may be a little bit different than the way it displays itself in your life. Listen, I, one of the gifts that we'll speak about is teaching. This morning I'm teaching God's word to you. If I were to give Jeff this exact same text and this exact same topic, Jeff would come up here and say about the same thing I'm saying, but he would do it in a different way. It would come across a different way. And by the way, as the pastor and lead pastor of this church, uh, as, we, as we move forward, I think I've done this from the very beginning, I try not to be a pulpit hog. I like for you to hear other people in a different voice every now and then because we need that. We need that. And so I try to appropriately do that. Sometimes I'm out of town, away on vacation or something, or other times I'm here. And I just want someone else to preach because I think it's good for the church. Diversities, diversities. We must understand and celebrate that. You may be gifted in an area that is an area that's lacking in someone else's life. You may say, I'm gifted in this, and, and they're obviously not. Well, guess what? That's not cause to judge or condemn or to compare. That's cause to celebrate. Hey, God's gifted me in an area that hasn't gifted someone else. Well, guess what? I promise you, he's gifted them in areas that he's not gifted you. And so God has given us diversities of gifts, and I thank God for it. If we all came into church today with the same gift, number one, it'd be super boring. We probably wouldn't care to get to know each other. We'd probably come for a couple weeks and be like, there ain't really no reason to get together. I live with this guy. I don't need to be around a bunch of other me's. The world can't handle but, two, but one, one me. The world can't handle but one me. I mean, I say I believe we see this throughout the New Testament. That the local body of believers thrives in diversity. Diversity of thought. Diversity of people. You know my heart, and this is not spirit per se, but this is my heart, is that Diversity would go throughout our church like we've never had. My heart is 100% there. And um, anyway, 
the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ, the local church thrives in spirit-led diversity. I won't stay there any longer. Secondly, I want us to see this. The gifts are manifested for the good of the body. Okay, The gifts are manifested. That means they're displayed. They're made public. They come above the, the ground, right, uh, from that root of the Spirit. They come above the ground and are manifested for the good of the body. Look at verse 7 in our text this morning. Just walking right through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the, the profit of, of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. We mentioned in the introduction of the sermon today that giftings were to be primarily used within the context of local church ministry, of local church ministry, of community, of community this morning. And we see that here when spiritual gifts, listen to me clearly, when spiritual gifts are not being used in a spiritual context, false doctrine and false teaching and false teachers can and will abound. When, we, when, when, you, when you see someone operating in the giftings of the Spirit outside of the context of God's church, beware, beware, because so often that turns into a cult. So often that turns into false teaching. A lot of those people get words from the Lord, and they begin to tell me, there's, there's about every two or three years now I'll see something where this guy's got like a massive following, and he's literally claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be Jesus. You say, man, how in the world do like, people actually follow him? But they do. And it's this. What God creates, Satan often counterfeits. What God creates, Satan often counterfeits. And a gift that is not being used for the good of the body of the church, we need to be very, we need to be aware. Be aware. If it's not being used to manifest it for the good of the church, these gifts this text told us were for the profit of all. It wasn't for the profit of Josh, the profit of Tim. No, it was for the profit of all. God gave me certain gifts and you certain gifts, not so that I can build myself up or that you can build yourself up this morning. No, he gave you your gifts for the profit of those around you. The profit of all. So beware this morning. Beware when gifts are being used and gifts are being taken and, and they're being used in a selfish manner in a way that seems to be a lifting up of themselves and not lifting up Jesus this morning. The gifts are manifested for the good of the body. And thirdly, I told you we're going to walk right through it this morning. Thirdly, the gifts 
Man, I love this. They complement one another. The gifts, they complement one another. I'll begin reading this for you to get the idea. All right? Verse 14. For in fact, the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, am I not of the body? I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is, there, is it not therefore of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? Right? Look at verse 22. Much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. What it's saying is that even the weaker portions of the body are necessary in order to formulate an entire body. I don't know what in the world an earlobe is for. Mine are connected. Don't know why. Um, I don't know what an earlobe's for. It's a weak part of the body. You can literally poke things through it and not feel it that much. I would have been told. Never mind. I was about to make a belly button joke there, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to shy away from that. <clears throat> there are certain parts of our body that are weaker parts. Once again, not that I have any um, knowledge of this, but they say if you work out and you haven't worked out for a while and you go back to working out, you feel it in what? The weaker portions of your body. Am I right? Somebody. All right, cool. All right. Um, uh, there, all right, there we go, there we go. But the fact is this morning, the ear is necessary for hearing as the eye is necessary for seeing, as the tongue is necessary for talking, as the knee is necessary for bending and getting us from one place to the other. You may think my role in this body is a calf right back here. Well, guess what? It may not be the most front and center thing. It may not get, you may not go home and be like, man, thank God for my calves. But guess what? You got up out of your car today and you walked in the church. And guess what played a major role in that? Your calves. Now your face, your beautiful face is going to get all the recognition. Your biceps. The things that we can, can comprehend more physically and tangibly. But every gift is necessary. Every gifting is necessary. The gifts do not work against one another. They work in cohesion with one another. They complement each other. And I want us to understand this. As we look at people with different giftings and other giftings than what we have. Listen to me very clearly this morning. We need to start looking at people with different giftings than us as assets to the kingdom of God rather than threats to our own selfish kingdoms. Listen to me closely. Instead of looking at someone who's gifted in a different way than you are as some sort of threat or as 
or as opportunity for some sort of, uh, uh, of division. Instead, we need to celebrate that. Hey, that person's different than me. And guess what? That's what makes the kingdom of God beautiful. I made the statement to a, a church member a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about something. And I said, hey, listen, for every Josh, there needs to be a, set her name. And I said, by the way, for every you, there needs to be a me too. Isn't that true? Oh, it was Melissa. Okay, she said it. Hey, if I, if I can use, uh, I think, a really good um, complimenting one another couple. For every Aaron McCurdy, there needs to be a Chris McCurdy. And believe you me, for every Chris McCurdy, there needs to be 15 Aaron McCurdy. No, no, there needs to be an Aaron McCurdy. If you know Chris and Aaron, that's a beautiful thing. I see it beautifully in their relationship. For every Josh, there needs to be a Sarah. For sure. But you know, every now and then, she, she has to agree every now and then. Every once in a while, for every Sarah, there needs to be a Josh. And God made us that way. God made us that way to complement one another. That person who is the exact opposite of you, 180 degrees different than you, you need them. You need a relationship with them. And they need you. And that's the way we operate. That's the way we step into our giftings within the context of the local uh, church. That's how a good church is formed. That's how a good team is formed. If I may, uh, last night, the, the three-point shot was not falling, uh, definitely on Duke's side, but it wasn't falling uh, like it usually does for a player like Brady Manick on UNC's team. And then Armando Baycott at the very end there goes out and gets injured and was in foul trouble and different things. You know what the team did? Two guards, RJ and Caleb, came together and basically won the game. You know why? Because in that moment of weakness for one of their teammates, another teammate steps up in their place. It's just the way a good team works. It's just the way it works. And so the gifts are meant to complement one another, not to cause division. Because there were four this morning. The gifts were given to unify the body. The gifts were given to unify the body. But God, verse 24, composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism or division in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. In only a way that's supernatural, supernaturally possible by the Spirit of God, He brings unity with diversity. Those are two things that don't often come together. But through the Holy Spirit of God and His giftings... The diversity of gifts bring forth unity. It's one of the most beautiful things about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that he can bring every shape and size together and create unity. In every broken area of our society, diversity brings tension. But in the body of Christ, diversity of gifts is supposed to bring biblical Harmony. There should be no division in the body of the perfect Son of God, Jesus Christ.
And then I'll close this morning with these gifts are to be identified and manifested in the believer. Because of time, I'm not going to read these five verses that I have in 1 Corinthians 12 and these 15 verses in Romans chapter 12. If you would like to make a mental note of that, it's in my notes and I'm skipping it. All right. Will you trust me here that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then again in Romans chapter 12 are the major texts in Scripture that tell us what the gifts of the Spirit are? Philippians chapter 4 is also a if you want to put a third one in there, just in your notes or whatever, will you give me the benefit of the doubt? May, I, I hope that I've earned your trust um, in these years of preaching God's word that I would not say something to you that was not in God's word. But I want to close today by going through a list, similarly to what I did last week with the fruit of the Spirit, and I want to go through a list of some of the gifts. We're going to get to the fun ones next Sunday, so don't, you'll be okay. Now, I would be lying if I said that I understood 110% completely every one of these gifts and how they're to be displayed and ministered in your life. I don't. The same way I don't understand how the fruit of the Spirit sometime will be manifested in your life. But gifts are basically broken down into three sections. You have serving gifts, speaking gifts, and then sign gifts. We'll get to sign gifts next Sunday. But here are some gifts, and this is what I want us to do as we close the service today. I'm going to be kind of rapid firing these gifts off. And what I want you to do is ask the Holy Spirit to identify one or more of these gifts that apply to you. Your unique personality. Your personality. Not your spouse. Not that other person over there. But which one of these gifts apply to me? You ready? Serving gifts. Here we go. Mercy. Mercy is found in Romans chapter 8. And mercy is feeling true sympathy for the state of someone else and looking to help them in any way you can. I will send these to you in an email. They're not, oh, they're up there. All right, cool. But, but I'll get, I can send you all this. Feeling true sympathy for the state of someone else and looking to help them in any way you can. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle with this gift. My personality. If I live in the flesh, I'm a selfish person. Okay? So I struggle with this gift. Hospitality. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Having a natural personality that bends you to open your life to others in order to bless and serve them. Now, I have that gift. Sarah knows that. Me and Sarah, like our gifts complement one another. Some of the gifts I have, she doesn't have, and vice versa. We know this is when we, we speak about but to open your life to others, to bless and serve them. Discernment, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the ability to accurately assess something or someone to see if they are of God or not. Discernment. Hey, is this a spiritual thing or is this a fleshly thing? Is this person legitimately a follower of Jesus or are they a false teacher? Discernment. Here's a, if you don't possess any other gift, I bet you possess this next one. Helps and service. It's found both in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. This is the desire to work alongside others to help them complete a goal. This work is often done in the background outside of the limelight. I just want to help somebody. How can I serve somebody? 
I don't need to be front and center. I don't need my name on the screen. Just how can I help? Administration, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, those who enjoy organization and are not afraid of making decisions to improve the overall team. The gift of administration. Every organization knows that the, they have to have someone with the gift of administration in order for that organization to run smoothly. You ever work for an organization that didn't have good administrative policies? Man, it's terrible. Giving, uh-oh, Romans chapter 12, verse 8. This is the unique desire to bless the church and others by means of your finances. Every one of us should participate in giving as God commands us to in his word. But these people are the ones who are naturally bent on, hey, I heard of a need or I sense a need here, and God has given me the wherewithal to help financially meet that need. They're naturally, they're naturally givers. All of us, I believe, would probably know people that we've come across in life that just seem to be that way. The last serving gift, gift, the gift of faith, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Faith is having the boldness to step out and lead even when you do not know the outcome. You ever been around people? I think I may fall into this a little bit. Hey, man, I don't know what's about to happen when we step right here, but I know that I'm supposed to get right back there where Sam is. And so here we go. I know that's where we're supposed to be. I don't know what's going to happen between here and there, but that's where we're going. Other people were like, bro, you need discernment's like, bro, you need to chill. And I'm like, bro, you need some faith. All right, so uh, you see how that works? Hey, listen, that's where I'm heading, and let's go. And discernment right here, my wife says, hey, man, you might not want to step there because you might fall flat on your face. Hey, listen, that's fine if I fall on my face. You need to get up and come with me. We need to go. Yeah, but you need to make sure that you don't step on Charles. You see how you need those things? Hey, listen, we need to go. And you know when we go? We need to make sure we know where we're going and what we're doing and what's going to take to get there. Those are serving gifts. And have you identified anything yet in your mind about maybe what where God has gifted you in, in these, these serving gifts? Secondly, speaking gifts. Once again, I will tell you on a couple of these. All right. Francis Shannon's book, Forgotten God, says this. We were taught either verbally or just by the culture of like Bible training and college seminary. If you believe something 51%, you preach it like you believe it 100%. Okay? Now, maybe they didn't say that, but that's kind of the way. And Francis Chan makes a statement, and I'm going to make this statement to you. He says, it's okay to stand up and go, hey, I'm about, I'm about 90% sure on this, but there is a 10% that the Lord's still teaching me. If, you can, if I can be that open with you guys today in the speaking gifts. Here's, here's one of them that I'm like, I get it, I think, right? All right, so here's speaking gifts. You ready? Apostles. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12 and Philippians chapter 4. Now, not to be confused with the office of the apostle. Those were those that were uh, living contemporaries and eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, Okay? This is a gift that includes the ability to, to minister across diverse cultures, a desire often for church planting, and also a willingness to lead other Christian leaders or other pastors. By the way, I've got some people in my life that fulfill this in, in me. They have this passion, this desire. They have these ministries that God has given them, and one of them includes ministering to me as a pastor. 
teaching, Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen, the ability to comprehend and then clearly communicate God's truth. You might be sitting there going, there ain't no way. There ain't no way. No way. Holy Spirit, stop touching me, my heart right now. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. Well, guess what? The gifts must be cultivated. Yeah, you may have the gift of teaching, but it may be like you're a 16-year-old and your parents just gave you a car and keys and you've never driven a car before. Maybe you had the gift of teaching, but you've not cultivated that gift. You've not been given opportunities to, cul- to cultivate that gift. Evangelism, Philippians chapter 4, having a passionate desire to see unbelievers come to faith in Christ. You ever been around somebody that just, it seems like, I don't even know how this happens, but they always meet people who need Jesus? And somehow they are often, they are just so good at communicating the love of Jesus to someone. And they see people come to faith in Christ all the time. Now we all should be following the Great Commission. And we all should be uh, giving the gospel at every opportunity that we can. But I believe the Bible teaches us that some people have that gift. That they're better at it than others. And that doesn't excuse people from not doing it. It just means that some people are gifted more in it. Shepherding. Ephesians chapter 4, possessing the ability to spiritually and emotionally care for the needs of others. It's obviously one of the roles of a pastor. It's caring for the needs of people. Physical needs. Spiritual needs. Emotional needs. I think anyone who's ever had this gift or is Fulfilling the role of an elder or pastor in church says, I know I have that gift, but man, I need to get better at that gift. Because those needs are always there. And we can always do better. Encouragement, man. Give me a bunch of y'all up in here. Romans chapter 12, verse 8. The ability to motivate others to do good and do right. Encouragement. Encouragement. Man, I don't know if you've ever... I, I've been preaching before and I get done with a sermon and I'm like, man, I just threw a dud out there for everyone. And I'll walk out there and somebody will be like, man, I got it, man. I like, that was so good today. And I'm like, what? Like, what were you listening to? Encouragement. I mean, how about this one? This is a really cool encouragement for any pastor or church leader or ministry leader. Hey, I just want to text you and say, I hope you had a great day today. I don't have any problems. Just hope you have a great day today. Thanks for all you do. Encouragement. My kids, my daughters, how cool would it be for my 13-year-old to text me one time and be like, hey, Dad, I love you. Just want to encourage you. Not, hey, Dad, can you put more money in the, in the Apple Pay on my phone? Uh, Dad, I'm heading to Chick-fil-A. Can you throw some more money on the app? Um, you know, whatever it is. Encouragement. Encouragement. Hey, uh, Tim. Just want to text you this morning, man. I'm on the worship team today. I just want to text you this morning and let you know I'm going to be there. Can't wait. Or how about this? You're at your job and a coworker or a boss says, hey, just want to stop in and let you know, like, you really mean a lot in this company. And I really appreciate all you do. Guess what? How, how, how does that feel, right? The morale that's built, encouragement. Man, if I could wish for something for myself and all of us, it would be that gift of encouragement. Leadership, Romans chapter 12, the ability to influence others, to see a God-given vision 
become reality. Leadership means taking people on this journey from here to there when they don't know how they're going to get there and you might not even know how we're going to get there. It's tough sometimes. I've, I've heard it said leadership is getting people to do what they may not want to do in order to make them into the person that they want to be. Leadership. Two more. Wisdom, 1 Corinthians 12, possessing certain insight that helps you and others make good decisions. Similar to discernment. This is a person who's able to see, and maybe this person grows in this gifting the older they get. They're able to see and, and, and give wise advice, and they're able to say, have you thought about this, or have you considered this? Before you make that decision. And the knowledge, 1 Corinthians 12, the ability to research and remember truth in a unique way. There are certain people, I don't possess this. There are certain people that can hear it one time and they've got it the rest of their lives. They can study one concept in scripture and they never have to worry about going back to it. They've got it, it clicks, they're good. They can learn it quickly, it's in them, they've got it, and they never have to repeat it. I'm not that guy. I've been ruined by Google. I don't retain things as well as probably I did when I was younger. But by the way, every one of these gifts, I don't have time, every one of these gifts has a warning of like, what's the, what's, the, what's the negative side of this coin? What does the Bible say about knowledge sometimes? It puffs up. It puffs up. Sometimes in wisdom, you can become so scared to like, you're trying to discern and, and, and think about what you should and shouldn't do that you don't just do it. Anyway, every, every gift Did you maybe identify a gift that God has maybe given you? And you say, well, I'm not really good at that, even though I know. Listen, I didn't say what you were, what you, if you were good at it. What's the gifting God has given you? And then we cultivate the gift. We cultivate the gift. Did you know for every bombastic, yelling, screaming pastor that says, you must be born again, that you also need? Hey, guys, listen. You must be born again. Right? Did you know that, that for every high, there needs to be a low? For every right, there needs to be a left? Did you identify a gift this morning that maybe God has given you that you need to begin to cultivate? Next week, we'll talk about the sign gifts, and, and then we'll give a practical conclusion to this series and move towards Easter. But as you can tell, we went quickly through these today. And my hope is that you were able to identify a gift. And let me say this. Identifying a spiritual gift in your life is not prideful. Identifying a spiritual gift is biblical. Saying that I believe God has gifted me in one of these areas, that does not, that's not a prideful statement. Maybe you identified the gift of helps and serving today. Then let us, your church body, help you stir that gift up in a behind-the-scenes volunteer role. Josh, I don't have any desire to be up in front of people. I just want to help and serve. We got you. Perhaps you identified hospitality as a gift. Then why don't you make plans next Sunday after church? We're going to have a brief hospitality ministry uh, training after service, church next Sunday. We need people that are extroverted hospitality people and introverted hospitality people. Let me tell you why. Because extroverted hospitality people, they get talking to everybody else out there. 
And sometimes first-time guests can sneak by them because they're so busy, they're so extroverted, they're so hospitable that they're talking to everybody else and their mother. Ever been there? I've been there. You know why we need introverted people? Because when you come up and talk, start talking to them, they're going to quickly move you on. And when that first-time guest walks across that place, they're going to be ready. Right? We need both. We need both. If that's a gift that's, that God has identified, then let's help, let, let us help you stir that up. Perhaps you identified wisdom as a gift. Then, then why don't you dive into your connect group? Really connect with those in your connect group, and you'll find that God's going to give you opportunities in that group to help people make wise decisions. You're going to find that God gives you people around you that you're like, they come to you maybe and ask you questions. You're able to, to help. Once again, these gifts are for the greater good. Maybe God is, maybe it's the gift of encouragement. Maybe you see things in a positive light. I was speaking to uh, someone uh, about a month ago or so, and they said, man, sometimes I feel like I don't really look at reality because I really try to just see the, the positives in everything. And sometimes I miss the, like, the reality. And I said, wait a minute. Maybe that's God's way of telling you that you have the gift of encouragement. And, 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 and lean into that gift. They're used for the greater good. And today that I, I hope and pray that God's Holy Spirit, like he did to me, he spoke to you. Last week, here are the fruit of the Spirit. This week, here are some giftings. By the way, don't they work together? Don't they work together? Next week we'll close out the series. But I pray and I hope that we understand that God has given us unique strengths in our lives. God has given other, God has given other people areas in their life that they're strong in. We are to step into our gifts. We are to use our gifts. We are to see our lives not only helped, but the benefit and profit of all within the context of community. Folks, if we can get this and we're willing to do this as a church family, man, we're going to see person over here help person over there and person back there help person up here. And it's the way a family ought to be. Heavenly Father, we love you today. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.